This episode is sponsored by ByHeart. And I feel like I need to preface what I'm going to say with this. I'm a huge advocate of breastfeeding. Anyone who knows me well knows that nursing is something I believe in. And all five of our biological children were breastfed until they were 19 to 23 months old. However, we also have fostered and adopted, and I've been so grateful for formula companies in those situations. I'm also grateful for formula companies because our last two biological children, I really struggled with my supply and did all the things, spent so much time and effort, and just was never able to produce enough for them to be able to gain weight and not be hungry. And so I was so grateful for companies like Byheart. Byheart is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Byheart created a clinically proven, easy to digest infant formula that's made with organic, grass-fed whole milk, certified clean ingredients, and features a patented protein blend that gets closest to breast milk. They're made with certified clean ingredients. It has no soy, corn syrup, GMOs, or palm oil. Curious about Byheart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com forward slash podcast with code crystal for a limited time. Additional terms and conditions apply. So go to byheart.com forward slash podcast and use crystal to get your welcome offer. Welcome to the Crystal Pain Show, where we help you embrace your life right where you are and give you practical steps to get to where you want to go. Whether you are in your car, folding laundry, cooking, cleaning, or maybe even just enjoying a cup of coffee and a few minutes of quiet, we're so glad you're joining us today. Here's your host, wife, mother of four, foster mom, entrepreneur, and author, Crystal Payne. Welcome to another episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Today's in-studio guest is, I would have to say, probably one of my very favorite people and one of my very favorite writers, authors, just person in general, because it is Jennifer Dukesley. And if you all have been following me online, you know that I don't say that lightly And you know that I stand behind that because how many times have I talked about her books? Love Idol, Happiness Dare, it's all under control. I feel like every other day, I'm just like, just just go get all of her books that will fix your life. But anyway, Jennifer, I am so, so thrilled to have you here because you have a brand new book that is coming out. And it is on a topic that so many women are just, they need this book. They need this book right away. Like, could we just hurry it up and get this book? Because it's called Growing Slow, Lessons on Unhurrying Your Heart from an Accidental Farm Girl. But could you hurry up and get it for us? (laughs) Yeah, that seems kind of uh, the the opposite of the message, right? (laughs) Hurry up and get Growing Slow out. (laughs) Jennifer, you and I have known each other for quite a long while. I... I'm trying to remember exactly how we connected because I know I was reading Love Idol and I I think I had just finished it up and I was at a conference. And I think then we met in person the next day you were at that conference speaking too. Is that? I was not speaking. I was there as an attendee and I knew who you were and I didn't know that you had read Love Idol, I don't think. And so I had walked into this lounge room and um, we sat down and we just talked about 
approval. And we talked about your story. We talked about my story. And there was just an immediate connection. Yes, there was. And little did we know that God was weaving our story in a way that I could have never dreamed or imagined because Love Center Parenting, my new book that's coming out, um, would have never happened if it were not for you. You are my book what is it like midwife or something? <laughs> Book whisperer. <laughs> because Jennifer came to me. I'm trying to think. Was it? It was in 2009, 2018. 2018. You came to me. I remember that you reached out to me on Instagram, sent me video messages, something to the effect of, I feel like God has more books in you. And there was a lot of prayer and a lot of conversations and you were who God used to really be the push to make that happen. And then you got to be my acquisitions <laughs> editor with Bethany House and had your hands all over Love Center Parenting and just brought so much wisdom and strength to that book that would not have been there otherwise. And so I'm just so grateful for you. And I'm so honored that you're on the podcast today. And I am just thrilled to get to talk to you about your new book, Growing Slow. But before we get to that, I'd love for you to just take a minute to introduce yourself to and just tell us a little bit about how you got to this place of writing this book. Yes. So my name is Jennifer Dukesley, and I am a mom of two. I have a college student and a high school student. And my husband, Scott, is a fifth generation family farmer. And I'm an accidental farm wife. I call myself an accidental farm wife in the subtitle of the book because the last place that we thought that we would end up would be back on the Lee family farm. I was a newspaper reporter in Omaha and Des Moines and California for a while. And my husband is a graduate of uh, Drake University Law School in Des Moines, Iowa. And we were moving fast and furious on our career paths. And when I was pregnant with our first daughter, Lydia, we felt the pull back to the farm and a pull to a, what we thought was a slower way of life. But I got to tell you, it was just as fast and furious when we got on the farm as it was when we were living in the city. And those same patterns that I had developed in my heart just began to worsen over time until I ended up with this hurried heart. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to describe it. It's like when this a hurried heart is this thing that when you feel like you are chronically running out of time and you're constantly in fight or flight mode and you can't ever really feel rested or or that you've really accomplished anything. There always seems like something else that needs to be done. And so some people will think, oh, that's the same as being busy or having a lot on your plate. And it's not. It's something much more internal and much more insidious because it can't be quickly resolved by simply saying no to a few things on the calendar. It's something that's deeper and and requires um, a philosophical change and really a whole new mindset. And growing slow is the message of a woman that's maybe like you, maybe like a lot of us that had just decided that this hurried pace was ruining my peace, ruining my joy, and that I couldn't ever feel settled with anything that I was growing in my life. Mm. And so I, I find it interesting you're making that distinction. It's not busyness. It's a hurried heart. So would you say that someone could have a lot on their plate, but not have a hurried heart, or they could not actually have that much on their plate, but have a hurried heart? 
Absolutely. This is less about the boxes that need checked off on your calendar and more about the internal processes that you feel as you approach your day, as you approach your tasks, as you approach your relationships. And a lot of it is this mindset that so many of us have right now that I should be further along by now than I actually am. Mm -hmm. And that's pervasive across generations and age groups. We think there are milestones for things. So your 17-year-old teenage girl, and you should be further along by now knowing what's next in your life. Like if you're going to go to college or if you're going to go to a trade school and you're in college and you think that there's some milestone for meeting your future spouse. Mm -hmm. And if you don't hit that, then you're falling behind. Or if you do find that spouse, that you need to have a child and then another child and that there's milestones for your spiritual growth and for how your kids are doing. And and I talk to senior citizens who say, I feel like I didn't accomplish enough in life. Mm -hmm. So all along the way, you step through seasons and you step through life feeling that you didn't really accomplish what God set out for you to do. And it creates that inner anxiety that hangs around the edges of your heart. So who created these milestones? Where did those come from? I don't know. It's like these weird cultural expectations, but we're all living by them as, you know, there's like, there's some secret, you know, fairy in the sky creating these rules that we're supposed to live by. And, you know, like when I, I see it all the time in acquisitions, as you know, I'm an acquisitions editor in addition to being an author. And I'll see 30 and 35 year old women thinking, I need to have my book published now. I'm running out of time. Nobody said that. Nobody said you, if you're going to be a published author, you need to do it by 30 or 35. Realistically, you're going to be better off if you're a little bit older because you've had more life experience to be able to put into a book. But we've gotten into the situation of milestones and next steps and climbing ladders. And if you don't reach a certain rung by a certain point, you feel deflated and worthless and that you're not making a difference or using your gifts, the, the gifts that God has given you. But there's, I don't, I don't know where they came from. They're just there, right? It's like, when is good enough, good enough? And it just makes me think last night I was with a group of women and we were talking about, one of them was saying how she just kind of wants to know what's going to happen in the future and whether adoption is going to be happening or not. And she was saying, you know, because then she felt like she could be a little bit more settled. You know, it's like, okay, now I know. And, you know, it's done. And I said, what constitutes done? You know, I think that we get to that place where we think, well, when I get married, when I have kids, when I graduate from, you know, high school or college or get this job or whatever, like that is somehow going to be, I don't know, you, you've arrived, but, but you get there and there's another mile marker that, you know, it's like, what is done? And so in writing this book, I know for you, you actually had a lot going on in your life in the middle of writing this book, which I think is really beautiful that you're writing about growing slow and unhurrying your heart when it was probably a season where that was a challenge to actually walk that out. It wasn't like you just had this empty calendar and not a lot to do. And you're just thinking, well, I'm going to write a book about slowness because there's a lot of that in my life right now. <laughs> right. Talk to us a little bit about, I, I know that 
I mean, I just feel like I only see snippets of it when we have conversations or what you've written online, but there was a, there's been a lot of trauma and loss and grief in your life in the last few years. Yes, there has. And you're so right. Like I didn't write this book out of a place of I've figured out the secret to slowness. I wrote this book because it's the book that I needed. I'm an Enneagram 3. So the more likely book for me to have written would have been Growing Fast. <laughs> and I could have given you 10 actionable steps on how to you know, move to the next level and hustle. And a lot of my life has been go big or go home. Mm. And there was a lot of trauma that was written at the same time as this book was being written. There was a lot unraveling in my life at the time. And, and it really started with some horrible things that were happening on the farm and really mm -hmm. across the Midwest, there was so much rain that we couldn't get into the fields. We could not plant the crop. And that hadn't ever happened mm -hmm. before. And even generations of farmers around us that were much older were talking about that the same thing. Like, we don't recall a year like this. Wow. And, and um, there were a lot of uh, farmer suicides, mm -hmm. a lot of farmers calling into the crisis hotlines, because farming is more than just a way to make money and pay the bills. There is a legacy to farming that your grandparents and great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents before them were able to manage this. And if you're the farmer that doesn't keep it going, then something must be wrong with you. You can't take care of your farm. You can't take care of your legacy. You can't take care of your family. And so a lot was unraveling in uh, the communities around us. But I really believed that we would eventually get in the field. I had faith that God would be true to his promises because he is a God of seasons and and putting things into the ground and making sure they grow. I just believed it. And I just remember saying, Scott, it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to be a growing slow kind of year here. We're going to get into the fields. It's just going to be a growing slow year. And um, because I'm a writer, I think in metaphors all the time, <laughs> I'm like, what I believe to be true for the land, I don't actually believe to be true for my own life. Mm -hmm. And what would it look like if I couldn't get into the fields to plant? What would it look like if I didn't see growth in, my, in the areas, the priority areas of my life, if I couldn't see a harvest? What if I'm constantly in a winter season of life? What, what would that change? Mm -hmm. And thus began the journey of exploring the concepts of growing slow and really putting my own life under a microscope. And at the same time, um, there were a lot of things in my life that I wanted to hurry along. And I don't mean just my ministry or business. It was primarily in my family. Um, I wanted to hurry along healing for our youngest daughter, Anna. Um, over the last couple of years, three years, she has had a lot of health problems and one of those health problems has been frequently passing out. And um, many doctor's appointments, a lot of well-meaning advice mm -hmm. given to us, uh, lots of blood tests. And I mean, tests that you can't, there's no test that we haven't taken. Mm -hmm. But in the midst of all that, in the midst of a really difficult physical trial, she had an emotional trial with it because kids began to bully her about her passing out mm -hmm. and anonymously cyber bullying her about her passing out that she faked it all just any any number of kinds of rumors about her illness and so on top of trying to get on top of the physical 
part of her problem, we were dealing with a girl that we felt like we were losing emotionally. And um, Anna is on a journey. And if she were sitting in this seat instead of me, I know 100% that she would tell you that God is growing her through this, that she is growing through what she is going through. And um, she tells me, even just last night in a text, if God can use all of this for his glory, it is worth it. Mm, wow. And she, those are more than words for her. They have been a lifeline for her. And I find myself being, in a way, mentored by my 16-year-old daughter. So that story is becomes a chapter in Growing Slow. And the point of that story is that we're going through hard things and hard seasons that we don't have don't don't want to have to deal with, but we have to go through them anyway. And we can't grow quickly through them. And that even then God is growing something in us, some bit of our character, some bit of who Anna will become in the future, some bit of myself as a mother, trusting God with my beloved child mm -hmm. who's struggling. So, um, and there's not an easy bow. There's not a pretty bow to wrap it up in. I, I, I like to write chapters where I can come back around mm -hmm. and say, and this is the happy ending. And if you tick off boxes one, two, and three, then everything is going to be okay. Mm -hmm. But that's a story that is still ongoing, even now. And I just want to say to any woman out there who's in the midst of something hard, I get it. And I, I believe, like Anna and I say, that God will grow you through what you go through. And that's, that's my hope. And that's what I hold on to. Well, I was thinking how, you know, when it's just us and we're dealing with kind of our, our own thing, that can be really hard. But when it's our child... It's, I feel like it's just a hundred times heavier and we are a hundred times more motivated to let's hurry up and get to the solution because we've got to fix this. We've got to find the answer. We've got to find the medicine or the doctor or the whatever. And so I think to walk through this while you're writing this book on unhurrying your heart, I just think about how heavy our hearts can be for our kids and how we can just feel that angst for them. And I think so many women are listening right now who they feel that heaviness. They're they're carrying a lot and they're going through a lot and it probably feels really overwhelming to them right now. And they're hearing what you're saying and they're saying I I want to unhurry my heart, but I don't think that's possible. Like you don't know Jennifer what I've got on my plate right now. You don't know what I'm going through. Um I don't think that that's possible. Can you speak to that woman? Yes. Um, first of all, I want to share something that just is on my heart because it's such an important part of the book. And a lot of the book is based around seasons of life. And there is a, a set of passages in Ecclesiastes 3 that talks about that there is a season for everything and that God is making everything beautiful in its time. And I emphasize in its time because sometimes it doesn't look beautiful when you're in the middle of the grief or in the middle of the heartache, in the middle of rejection or loneliness or a pandemic or whatever it happens to be. It seems impossible to imagine that something beautiful is going to come out of this. And 
in, in those sets of verses, it talks about that there's a time for all kinds of things. There's a time for joy, but there's also a time for weeping. There is a time for dancing, but also a time for grieving. There is a time for embracing, and there's even a time for not embracing, which in 2020, we came to understand in a very literal way, right? But God takes us through these seasons because that's a part of life. And I think to adopt a philosophy of understanding that God is is growing us through each of those seasons, but that we aren't stuck in only the bad of Ecclesiastes 3, that God promises us the good of Ecclesiastes 3, and that He is indeed making everything beautiful in its time. So when you were in the midst of, or even now, you know, your your daughter's really struggling or things are not going well with the farm and you're wondering, you know, what are we going to do? What are some practices that you have found that have been really helpful for you to help you to unhurry your heart? What does that look like? Right. So the answer is not in your calendar or in your planner. <laughs> and one of the most frustrating things about somebody with a hurried heart is that if you just tell someone to slow down, that just doesn't work. Like, mm-hmm. what does that look like? So these are things that might at first seem counterintuitive, but they are actually going to help you unhurry your heart. And the first one starts when you begin your day. If you will set your alarm 10 minutes earlier, not so you can get more work done, mm-hmm. but so that you can simply set the tone for your day. For me, it is laying in my bed and looking up at the ceiling. Mm. There is nothing special to that. There's not like some set of verses I have to read or some devo that I have to read or some prayer that I have to say. It's staring at the ceiling and taking deep breaths and then pivoting and putting my, my feet on the floor and just feeling the ground beneath my feet and going to the kitchen and getting a glass of water and standing at the window and looking out to the fields. I mean, it's it's a simple act that just slows down my hurried heart before I even begin the day. Mm-hmm. And then another practice is um, how many of us check our phone when we're at Target, <laughs> in a Target line? It's the worst idea. Or at stoplights. I know some of you are looking at your phones at stoplights because <laughs> I see you <laughs> and I've done it before. Um, but it, the reason it hurries your heart is because if you get an urgent message or a text, or, or something that you feel like you need to respond to right away, you, you're, there's nothing you can do about it mm-hmm. in Target. There's nothing you can do about it when you're driving. So a, even just a simple act like that of not opening your email or your text messages in those kinds of places where you can't give them the response they deserve is critically important. Um, another is to sit down when you eat instead of like I have often been known to do, put something in the microwave really quick continue to scroll through Instagram, take a bite, go put in some laundry, come back, take another bite, and then maybe even forget that I had had even a lunch out to eat in the Mm. first place because I didn't just sit down and actually taste the food and actually enjoy it. And so for someone who's saying, well, but I, I don't have time to sit down. Like I have too much to do. What, what should, what should that woman do? Who's feeling that right now? You have too much to do not to do those things. (laughs) Like you have to be able to sit down and do that to settle your Mm. soul and to, to clear out your mind. I think one practice that a lot of um, hurried heart people um, undertake is multitasking Mm. because we think that's the way that we're going to get all of these things done. 
Well, multitasking, science tells us, is actually worse for your hurried heart because you end up having to redo so much work because of all the mistakes that you made. And it's like having 20 tabs open in your brain at once and you don't even know where to begin. Just open one tab, accomplish that task and move on and you will have the you'll have the quick win of accomplishing something and having it be as it should before you move on to the next. So in the end, growing slow is your superpower Mm. because it makes you more effective rather than less because you're putting out, you know, the quality, if it's, if it's work, quality work or quality art or focusing on one task in the home at a time, those kinds of things will unhurry your heart automatically. Things that you could start practicing today. Mm. So someone who has a really hurried heart and they they're they're relating to this right now and they're saying, I don't want to live like this anymore. You gave us some practices, but I think sometimes we need just that one small like how do how do I change my mindset? Because maybe I'm saying, well, I don't want to wake up and look at the ceiling. Like <laughs> that sounds really boring. <laughs> Um, and so I think I, I need something deeper. Like I need a mindset change. And I, I want to have that where I can be present. I mean, even just when you were talking about checking your phone, it was making me think of this time I had taken my daughter out for a date and we had looked forward to it and we planned it. And then I had my phone and I had, I checked it and I got an email from someone that it really was this unsettling sort of email. And so the rest of the date, I couldn't focus on my daughter. I was totally thinking about how am I going to respond to this email? So that was so good. Like I relate to this so much, but I also know that I was reading some of the things and I thought my personality type, this is terrible. I probably should, but like some of the slowness thing, it it sounds kind of boring. Like, (laughs) and I know that's a problem that, that says that I need to work on this, but how do we change our mindset? Because I think it has to start with that mindset change. Right. So you don't have to stop doing all of the things that you love. And somebody's idea of growing slow might be going to the gym. I mean, it's whatever kind of rhythm or practice or ritual feels true to who you are as a personality. Mm -hmm. So that's fine if some of those things do sound boring. But the mindset, the philosophy behind it all really comes down to what I call the growing slow method. And it's Mm -hmm. a part of the book. And it's based on three R's, remember, reflect, and return. And so remember is, I've done this for so many years, I didn't even know it was a practice until Mm -hmm. until I put it in the book. But remember is, I am constantly aware of something that I want to remember. That's why we all take, you are too probably, we take pictures of things that we want to remember Mm -hmm. at a later time. It will write down in a journal a quote that we heard. We'll save a text from a friend or a bit of advice, or we'll underline a Bible verse, or we'll buy a plaque that we stick on our kitchen wall. We're in constantly in the mode of wanting to remember things. Mm-hmm. And so in the three R's, we remember, we figure out that thing on a daily basis or a weekly basis. What's the thing that I want to remember today? Mm-hmm. So maybe today's would be you uh, grow through what you go through, because we've mm-hmm. talked about that a couple of times. The next thing you do is you reflect on that why is that hitting me in such a way? Like what is happening in my life right now that I need to know for that to be true in my life? Even asking, God, what are you saying to me through this phrase, snippet of advice? 
text from a friend, photo on my phone. What is it? And then when you return, I call it returning to the land that is your life. Mm. And that's applying it in a way that is true to who you are. I do this all the time on my Instagram and Facebook. For years, I have taken a picture or had a quote about something and I'll reflect on it and then I'll apply it to my life or maybe give you ideas on how to apply it to your life. But in a very real organic way, I do that all the time in my own life. And it's not poetic always, and it's not always going to make a nice graphic for social media, but it's things that I need to remember and hang on to, to unhurry my heart. So remember, reflect, return. Can you walk us through really practically just an example of recently how you have Yes. Done this method. Absolutely. So, and it's been so interesting to think through this because I've literally done this for years, but I was headed to the gym and, um, the Nate is my uh, strength trainer. And I was like, why am I even going? I'm not seeing any progress at all. This seems pointless. I look in the mirror and I don't look any different. I just still feel like all the COVID just blah is on me. And then I remembered something that Nate has told me that slow progress is still progress and how it's so important to just remember that mindset. And so as I reflected on that, I thought that is so true. Slow progress is still progress. Like any kind of quick fix diet plan or um, strength training plan, or you can lose, you know, 30 pounds in three months or whatever, like those things don't generally work for the long haul, like slow growth is best. And so as I went to the gym that day, it re-energized my, my whole workout and my whole frame of mind to understand that slow progress is still progress. Mm -hmm. Like I keep showing up and I made a a commitment to myself that day, continue to show up. Mm -hmm. You are making progress. Mm -hmm. Remember, reflect, return. So do you feel like now with writing this book, is this, do you find yourself that you have much more of this growing slow mentality and that you, there's less of a hurried heart? Absolutely. So I give myself so much more grace now and I look out the window and see in real time what God is doing through seasons. And I remember that like uh, as much as I'm always an output oriented productivity kind of person, what this has done for me is that I'm not just supposed to be planting seeds in businesses and books and people and relationships and kids and parents, all that stuff. Yeah. I'm supposed to do all those things, but you know what else? I am a field Mm. and God is planting seeds in me. And those things take time too. God could have put us on this earth as full grown adults, but for whatever reason, He wants us to start as infants growing into the people that we are becoming over time, grown slowly. So if God sees me that way in my heart as someone he wants to grow slowly, then maybe I should view all of the things that I'm growing in that same way. So good. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and for your book, Growing Slow, Lessons on Unhurrying Your Heart from an Accidental Farm Girl. I'm just so grateful for you, for your life, for your words, for your writing. It has just impacted my life so much. And I'm excited for another book that's going to go out in the world and make such a difference. And I just, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you. And of course, we will link to her book in the show notes and all of her other books as well, because y'all, 
You need all of them in your life. I am just constantly recommending them. Love Idol, The Happiness Dare. It's all under control and growing slow. As always, if you have any question on any topic you'd love for Jesse and I to answer on a future episode, or you just have feedback or suggestions, or you'd love for us to change something or do something different, we love to hear from you. We love your emails. And so you can send an email to crystal at moneysavingmom.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Crystal Pain Show. Have a great week. And remember, you can't always choose your circumstances, but you can always choose your attitude. Thank you for joining us today. For more great resources, please visit crystalpain.com. 